Howdy folks, welcome to yet another episode of Decoded by Thredo. I'm your host Sharath. Uh, super stoked to act again. I always say this, but I'm, I genuinely am stoked to bring these guests on the podcast. I've been having fun uh, lately interviewing like amazing CX leaders. And today we have one of the veterans, I would say. This guy is he's a beast. He has ton of experience and without further ado andrew rios how are you today man how are you doing how's life oh man thank you thank you for having me doing doing great you know no no complaints today uh wrapped up our our youth soccer season earlier this week on monday with the family nice. party so that was great um got great weather you know the family's healthy everyone's everyone's great uh awesome. Uh, completed a half marathon recently and then more importantly really wow. excited to to chat with you today awesome oh my god you're a marathon too like runner oh my god all right so for folks who don't know andrew let me give you guys like a brief intro like i said he's a cx veteran i would say he has a ton of experience 25 years to be very precise he worked with uh, world-class brands like fitbit cisco and has been consulting for you know in the last few years and he helped like more than 100 brands figure out how to do and how to deliver great customer support he has a deep understanding of how you know customer support should work and like i said he may help many startups from you know from building teams up from ground up uh going global and whatnot uh i'm excited and right off the bat I do have a question for you. I'm, I, so what caught my eye when I was doing research on you is that is this thing called 100-Day Planning Initiative. Talk to me about it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's uh, what I like to call just a, a, a framework, kind of a, a different way of approaching, a different framework and a way of approaching uh, a new role as a leader uh, or you know a promoted role. You know, currently you maybe went from senior manager to director or uh, and I think sometimes where, where people uh, where I, I like to say is a little bit different. The view that I take is whether you're a current leader in your role and you identify an operational challenge that right. needs specific focus on it. Those kind of the three areas for 100 day planning, 100 day planning. You know, you, you talk about it in days, um, but you start breaking it up into small little bit of milestones. Right. Well, what's my goal mm. at the end of this 100 days, depending on the three I'm in? Um, the, the unique view that I think I like to take in with it is taking a, a character role, right? So when we mm. first start your 100-day plan, you want to kind of be a tourist. You know, whenever you're a tourist in a new country, a new city, some of the first mm. things you want to do is learn the currency, learn learn the language, learn the cultural norms, kind of where's the bus stopping, where, you know, what's different in this country than where I currently live. <laughs> um, so you got to learn those things, right? And you, you, you're, you're a rookie. Same thing, mm. and I, I also say at the simultaneously, you're kind of also – uh, inquisitive, right? You take that role of a detective also and say, okay, I want to ask some questions because as I learn more, you know, and understand more, I'm going to have, you know, uh, more questions to ask that ultimately get me to a point where um, I'm comfortable with making some early assessments of where we're at, what I might need, where the strengths are, where the opportunities for improvement are, um, kind of even start thinking strategically down the road, you know, uh, 90, 90 days from now, nine months from now, you know, a year and a half from now, what is this hundred days going to lead me to there? Um, mm. And, and you know, I've been fortunate enough that, um, you know, uh, 
and, and I came about that with the fact that, you know, there's, there's no framework for that when you take on as a CX leader and the support that right. you go into it. It's like what we did before at a previous role might not necessarily work in the new role. So, but the framework mm-hmm. of understanding, learning, asking questions, you know, getting to know everyone. And then there's other characters that I like to say that I like to work mm-hmm. into it too, uh, working backwards, which is you also want to become a historian. Right. And really start documenting mm. everything, the current state of where the business is, mm. the current state of where the team is. Um, and then mm-hmm. start documenting those so that you can start putting the pieces together and, you know, really start sharing out with the business uh, your goals, your visions, your opportunities mm. for improvement and then highlighting the, the team players as well. So, right. I love that. I'm very curious. Why 100 days? Like, why can't you pick 30 days? or 180 days or even like 365 days or a year basically why that 100 day mark is there a science behind it or is that a gut feeling talk to me about it yeah man is there a science behind it i'm i'm i guess if i'm a scientist i would say yes but you know i i came about i think 100 day plans a lot of people use this right i think some people break it down into three months my first mm-hmm. three months you know 90 day plans i use the 100 day plan because there's a I like the 100 days, there's like a buffer at the beginning and the end, right? You got to get mm-hmm. used to it. You got to understand the tools first, right? Mm-hmm. And then kind of on the tail end of that, you need time to put everything together to socialize it at the different levels. And what mm-hmm. I found is, you know, with the 100 days is that usually, and this is the, the weird part of it, right, is 100 days sounds nicer than 12 weeks or 15 weeks or three and a half months. <laughs> But what I do find is usually there are certain milestones that occur it during a weekly pattern, whether it's the three-week mm. mark, the five-week mark, the eight-week mark, that kind of leads you to believe or document what's going to happen next, right? And leads you mm-hmm. to uh, un, un, what do you call it? unearth some beliefs you might already have with some facts and data, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the first, and I, one of those examples is usually within the first three weeks, you're going to really start to identify that low-hanging fruit. Maybe just mm-hmm. a process that needs a few less steps, or maybe right. A process that needs to be implemented or maybe someone um, that has a project they've been wanting to work on, but have never really had the autonomy or empowerment to do it. And you see that as a great opportunity for lots of reasons. Well, you're going to kind of figure those things out in the first three weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I kind of always like to say kind of within that first five weeks. Right. And that's kind of goes 100 days. But then let's start breaking it down into five day increments. Right. Um, right. To go by the week is, you know, you might start to see um, what I call the honeymoons over right now. Okay, <laughs> now we get the first part of friction. You know, with whether it's within your team, within the product, within a tool, within a stakeholder, whatever it might be, you kind of, you know, that's when you first hit those roadmaps, you know, those those milestones, I call them. So no, no science, just a lot of experience. And mm. and also looking at it is, you know, when the 100 days is over, it's it's not over. It's just that part is over. And I call it the assessment period. Right. So if mm. we're talking about a new leader in a new role, when you come out of that 100 days. I like to believe and hope that you got a strong understanding now of where mm. you're at, where you want to go, how that ties mm. to the business. And then the stakeholders that are kind of, you know, that are, that are, um, they're going to partner with you along the way to get there. Right. And right. then from there, you really take off. Right. Then you have mm. your, who's who you're able to delegate items to who you're at, you know, then your communication strategy or your communication mm. process has now been implemented and they're starting to follow that the norms mm. that you established. And now you kind of start speeding up the velocity. And then I like to move into a quarterly basis, right? Like everybody kind of does. 
But the thing mm. I like to do a little differently is let's check in every month as well. And we don't need more than one or two quarterly goals. And let's mm. check in every 30 days on how that goes using that same mentality and framework that we did along the 100 days. Right. Mm. So I love that. I think it's more like a gut feeling with, uh, <clears throat> with a proven strategy that really worked for you. And I, I, I think that translated really well when you, you know, actually you know, broke down into <clears throat> multiple pieces. Very curious about, do you have any fascinating stories of people getting transformed in those 100 days, CX leaders? Or do you want to give like a shout out to like for folks who actually took this challenge and completed in a very successful way that surprised you? Oh man, that's a that's a great question because a lot of a lot of a lot of history comes to mind now. Wow, a lot of examples there. Um, let's see, a, a, a few couple that come to mind. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back in time early mm -hmm. in the career because I think that that's a great great story there and a great shout out. Um, when I worked at a, a managed services company uh, called Megapath Communications, right? I was a mm -hmm. knock engineer there. Uh, was, I was fortunate to get that role because I had uh, broadband DSL experience and they mm -hmm. had just merged with the company that their their network was all broadband DSL. So they needed someone who kind of knew how to do that and whatnot. So uh, I was fortunate to join there, became a knock engineer and then a great leader there. Uh, one of my first early mentors, John, John Langlois, he had a vision where there was a provisioning side of the house. Uh, the provision, the circuits, provision, the network, and then handed it over to the network operations center. Um, we call that customer success now. Why we call that onboarding now. Um, but what he had a vision was, was creating a technical assistance center, right? Mm. And he said, hey, this, is, this team is going to own the customer, high-end accounts, right? Big accounts based mm -hmm. on revenue and size and whatnot for the first 90 days, right? And, and onboard them and make them successful so that ultimately their teams don't call our network operations center for support on their Cisco routers or Juniper routers because right. we're an operations center, not a support center. So he's trying to do a lot of things at once, right? Mm -hmm. So he, he pitched the idea to leadership and he got a 90-day approval to try it out, right? Mm -hmm. He said, well, give it a shot. So, you know, he had that idea. And then he said, hey, I, need, I, want, I want you. He selected me to kind of spearhead it and take it on. So he had to, had to build a lab and whatnot. And then I had the opportunity to partner with someone else on the team, you know, mm. Jason Herdler, big, big partner of mine, um, to build that team and start owning those customers and show that this team um, is bringing value and how, how much it impacts the business and the customers and the brand. Mm. And that's when I started first getting into if it's not documented, it never happened. I started getting into listening to the customer, what they're saying, what they're not saying. And it was a 90-day challenge of, you know, it's not so much that we need to show that the volume went down. It's not so much that we need to show all these numbers. It's we need to show that the culture is changing, that the business model can change. Um, and so that he put a 100-day plan in place there. We had these milestones. I mentioned one of them, build a lab. Okay, now mm. let's train the network operations center to, to be able to support at this level now. Okay, now build a knowledge base. And this is early day. I'm talking, I'm dating myself now, but the, the early 2000s, right? Let's get a knowledge base out that we share with our partners to do mm. that. And then let's come back in 90 days, right? And see what, what it means. And what it meant, you know, putting a bow on the story was, you know, the CEO, the CFO, the CTO all saw the value there. And, and it was the value they saw and heard from the customers, right? They're saying, wow, mm. we were turned up white glove support, right? And then, mm. you know, it turned into a, a value-added service, right? Hey, if you'd like to have this level of support mm. and expertise along the way, 
you know, here's we have a team of that, and, and the team is still in place now um, oh, at a company yeah. there. So yeah, that's an early early that. one. I love that. I think one of the things I want to really highlight what you said about is, I think I've I've seen so many programs or challenges like this. Hundred days, you take it up. Uh, whether it can be fitness or you know when it can it can be like f- founders building something in your case CX letters uh, having these milestones achieved you know you know you know at least like a 30 year 30 day you know break way whatever it is right what you said is absolutely true in those 100 days you may or may not see the results of or the goals that you want to achieve but you definitely see like a culture change in yourself, the mind shift will change. <clears throat> You'll be more disciplined. I think that is really important. And I, I love the the fact that you mentioned that out of those 90 days, you can probably like, you know, you what you said in your ex- example, you don't show like a tangible outcome per se, but I think the culture towards approaching a problem will change. I think that is really important. Uh, one of the things I also want to touch upon, which you, in based on your answer, you said about like tight documentation, right? Uh, talk to me about how important documentation is for CX leaders and what are the ways that in your opinion or efficient ways that they can take advantage of documentation? Oh, oh man, that's a, that's a passion subject for mine because I, I have a phrase that I mentioned earlier that I, that I grew up on professionally, which is if it's not documented, it never happened. And that's um, with the customer, the client facing, externally that's internally right uh when we open a ticket when we escalate a ticket when we open a bug we open a feature request uh that's in weekly reports that's in your support report so um the way i like to approach documentation is you know we we need what we need right and let's start let's start if you're starting let's start small tactical precisely and use our data to guide us on the documentation we need so talking Mm -hmm. about it externally that's kind of the first thing I think at a, at a, at a, at a company I was able to, at the startup I was able to work at and just build the team from scratch. We started with no knowledge base, but a lot of knowledge in the subject matter experts heads, the engineers that kind of knew all that, but we didn't know for sure with detail what we were going to get calls on. Cause this was a brand new launch. First time here we go. Technicians are just getting trained. So it's more like, okay, let's start with the basic FAQ. Right. And it was like, what are the most frequently asked questions that we might get? And then let's measure it when those contacts start coming in. You know, it doesn't have to be measured daily, but let's start at the first week. Okay. Took a hundred contacts. Did we have the, okay, this one didn't work. And let's start measuring that. Right. And then put, um, empower, empower and ownership from the team to own that. They know best. Right. They know best. I think we as leaders have to take the, the approach of giving them the runway and the autonomy. Mm-hmm the empowerment to go out and do it, help it guide them with what I mentioned earlier. Hey, these are the metrics. These are the things you want to look at to see if we need that article, if we don't, and then start small. Everybody wants to automate and go right with it. Let's just start Mm. small, right? Let's get the article going. Let's get it written. Okay. Now let's share it. I think in the case earlier at the, at the managed services place, what we came out of those 90 days with after working with the, the partners was a, what we call the quick hit manual. Right. I think mm-hmm. another thing I like to do is name them different things, even though they are just documentation. This was a quick hit manual based on the top 15 areas you might contact us for. And here's how you would do it on your own. Right. Mm-hmm. And the difference was, was we would make it very generic because different customers had different endpoint routers. 
But how you would log into the router is similar, right? There's a username, there's a password, you have to get to a certain interface, you apply a certain thing, and then we would give them those examples, right? And then what we started doing there early, which I, I love when companies do this now more frequently, is videos. So we would come out of that and we would share videos with them. And this, these are literally just Windows videos from your computer. Okay, now do the, this is back in 01, 02, right? And so that's what's important. And then I'll spin it a little bit to internal documentation. I think that's really important as well, too. And, mm. um, you know, the, the weekly report that we as CX leaders, whether you're a, a senior manager, a director, a vice president, um, a, a, a chief executive officer, right? There's some weekly report you're sending to your leader, right? That's giving a very high level snapshot Absolutely. of what's happening in the business, right? And mm -hmm. one of those, one of those uh, early mentors I had also when I worked at Fitbit, Jay Kirshner, shout out to him, gave me a great framework that I use to this day, which mm -hmm. is, you know, what went well, what could have gone better, and what are my priorities for next week? And they're mm -hmm. bullets, you know, it, it shouldn't take me more than 15 minutes to type it out. It's kind of a living mm -hmm. document through the week. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just bullets of and those should be tied back to customer process system goals. Right. Mm -hmm. So that when my boss looks at it, they go, mm -hmm. OK, he's working on this. He's working on that. It isn't just a, a report with a bunch of Excel charts and whatnot and sending them. It's OK. This is what's happening. And if what I like to do is embed links. If there happens to be a Confluence page or a Google Doc or something that has more information, then here you go. And then everybody knows if you've worked with me before, how passionate I am about a support report. And I think mm -hmm. that is, as a CX leader, our ultimate documentation, because it lets everyone know in the business how we're servicing the customer, um, what they're saying, what and how they're contacting us, and then the extra, the story, right? So, I actually love that. You, I have this question about support, support reporting, and you kind of answered uh, <clears throat> all part of, you know, the question about documentation, it's also just want to mention that naming is really important. It's so low hanging fruit, right? Like, you know, you write these documents, but if you specifically name them after a use case or, or a scenario or a situation, it's much more easy to lack access. And even for the consumers, it's easy to like you know, consume it. Uh, I love that. Talk to me about, I think you kind of also touched upon in the in your answer about building cx teams from scratch so in your experience you know and your consulting experience as well uh talk to me about how people actually should build a cx team from scratch oh yeah um what i always like to start out by saying is you know where you want to be you know that you need people to take your support contacts, right? You know, you know that. But what you need right away when you first start is, and, and I use this phrase in the previous life, which is, you know, hire folks to take your calls and take your support contacts, but don't hire call takers and support agents. So what I like to say is you're hiring builders along with yourself, especially if you're starting from scratch. And because you think about it, you got to start with everything, right? You got to start with building up a tool, you know, to su support mm -hmm. CRM. Then your mm -hmm. internal infrastructure, your single source of truth, this is going to be your knowledge base and whatnot. Then, you know, you got to start with um, your scripts, right? Everything has to be starting from there, you know. So you want people that are going to understand that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. That the first thing you want to go in is make sure we're hiring builders. People that know that they're, they're going to be both, and I say 
work in the business and work on the business. And those times are going to vary. They're going to ebb and flow mm -hmm. based on what's happening as we start the business. Right. Um, so I always say, you know, you want to definitely hire someone that uh, comes with support experience. Mm -hmm. Right. And get, and get diverse as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't think. And, and I always say this right away, too, because a great support team, especially when you're building it from scratch, is complex. It's very mm -hmm. complex. Right. One of the one of the comment uh, compliments that I've that I've been humble enough to receive and that I that I really take to heart is when other cross functional leaders see a team that I built and look at the differences in them from all aspects, right? We don't have to go into how different people are, but all aspects. And one of mm -hmm. the phrases that someone said in my earlier life when I was at Fitbit was, you know, this this team probably would never really hang out in high school or college or in the circles, would, but in this <laughs> world, in this environment, there's, there's right. something special about that complexness of it because they're all different, but, but they're all the same because they're mm -hmm. all there for the same mission. So, you know, mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a previous life, the first thing I wanted to do was hire people that I knew eventually were going to turn into tier three agents or operations folks, but I, but it's going to take six, nine months to get there because we're sure. starting from nothing, but it's going to go mm -hmm. fast. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that's what happens. And you just kind of continue bringing in the next wave that says, okay, now we have someone that's dedicating half their time to content management and training and the mm -hmm. other half of their time to the, the system. We need one more or the, the, the support CRM. We need one more person now to add to the team that's going to come in and learn to support the customer now, right? Mm. So that we can free up those times um, and bring them from different industries, right? You know, if you're in a fintech, you don't have to get everyone from fintech, right? Get someone mm. from health tech, get someone from green tech, get someone with hardware experience. So. Yeah. Why is that? Why do you think, uh, I understand the diverse bit from a, from a cultural standpoint, you know, different people, different mindsets you know, when they get together, they kind of generate or learn from each other. But why, uh, why do you suggest hiring people from different industries? The, um, the knowledge that they have, right, from that industry, I've always believed in seeing that translate well when it comes to problem-solving skills or examples, right, of how something's been done in the past, right? Maybe there's a great process that's been done in the past in the fintech industry that that uh, had to be done that way based on securities and regulations because of that business. But now you're in health and fitness. You could take that same process, strip out all the, the protocols, and maybe that works well here. So having that mm -hmm. mindset and experience. And also, you know, uh, just because someone works in a specific industry doesn't mean that is their passion. I'm a big believer in, in the cross-pollination of just humans in general and talent and experiences, right? The experiences you get are going to be different and we don't know those, you know? Um, at a previous team, you know, um, at, at, you know at, at Fitbit, there's one of those great areas there is we had people that were fresh out of college, recent grads, right? And then we had other folks that were veterans from Google, hardware engineers, mm -hmm. right? And then we brought in folks that, um, that, that, that were babysitters and fitness instructors, <laughs> right? And, 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 or someone, you know, in a shout out to Earl out there who uh, did a great job at queuing like Uber Eats online menus and whatnot and ended up being one of our greatest associate program managers out there, right? And I think that mm. that's why like different people from different backgrounds and industries and, and they help with the language as well because customers mm. are all different. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I feel... 
uh i see your point very well now i feel i think different experiences can uh can be really helpful when someone is like trying to like adapt to a change or like trying to like understand or empathize with their customer right like i think putting them in different different shoes by hiring different different people is is a i would say it's like a it's a clever move uh i want to talk about you you briefly touched upon this uh subject empathy right uh talk to me about empathy as a skill that you know cx leaders should focus on Ooh, that's a yeah <laughs> that's a skill i i love the way how you mentioned that as a skill it's a it's a i believe it's a core fundamental skill because you have to you have to have that one not only for your people the team that you're leading and managing and mentoring and coaching but for your stakeholders that you're working with sales marketing engineering because they have they have different priorities and goals right and those lead to um different ways of communicating different ways of moving through obstacles and challenges and partnering and um and then there's the last but not least um as cx leaders we always got to think about everything through the lens of the customer as well the client the partner whatever business we might be in but that end user consumer and if we're not then i don't think we're doing service to our business because we are in the business of support right we're in the business of of providing support to a customer and what i always like to say is um all the decisions are that are made in the company are manifested in the support team right and rather than be emotional about them we should just be passionate and empathetic about them like uh seek first to understand before being understood is kind of another way of being empathetic right and i think um even more recently you not recently it feels recently right but you know it was just in 2000 when the world changed right you know i i remember that vividly we all we all do and you know in order to re- and i found this in order to really empower people let people be themselves let people enjoy their their jobs and come in every day remotely especially the last 3 years you have to be empathetic to everything that's going on because everything impacts people differently right and and when i say people i mean our team you mm-hmm. know the stakeholders again mm-hmm. the customers mm-hmm. and 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 i also say this too real empathy because people understand if you're just saying yes oh i hear you oh yeah thank you so much but like versus listening with that intent and you know and and really having a conversation and then when the when the time is right and opportunity is right and i always share this too because i think you can't do empathy without vulnerability is mm-hmm. being vulnerable as a leader and you know when the time is right sharing either how you know um what's happening with you right now right that that might be relevant and share some pro tips of how you're navigating the stresses of the world and families and and what not it may be um but the best leaders that i've always uh partnered with um on at any level have always had natural just natural empathy you can just mm-hmm. tell the way they they even um And I said this too and and I and I learned this from earlier leaders as well just naturally is even how they partner with a vendor or a business a BPO right or how they talk to someone during a demo or what not there's that's there's empathy that needs to happen there as well too right so and then I'll 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 put it all I'll 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 button it up with the phrase that's like your team sees that they feel it an attitude reflects leadership 
So your operations folks are going to tend to be more empathetic or maybe learn a little bit more or feel free to be more vulnerable. The agents, and it'll just translate to how Mm. they take care of their their clients and customers on the phone, the chat, the email. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think it's it's one of the things, like you said, it's it's a default. It's not negotiable skill. Uh, Anybody who wants to grow should have empathy, period. Uh, and at least, you know, in, 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 in the roles of CX who constantly, uh, see change and help other people, I feel empathy is like, you know, really the deal breaker and some folks, you know, not, not labeling or anything. Some people, they pretend, um, empathy, which is going to be like, you know, uh, which is going to be visible very, very openly. Right. So. I feel we we can talk about that for another topic, but uh, communication. So one of the things, you know, I I feel the way you post on LinkedIn is something I also like kind of want to touch upon, but what are some best practices CX leaders should follow when it comes to communication, whether it is written, verbal, anything that, that, that matter of fact, like what is something that, in your experience that you want to share with us? Always when you're communicating, like I'll start with this one because, um, but always be, always answer the question in your mind and when you're communicating with the person or people you're talking to and put yourself in their shoes. Why do I care? Right. And this is where I'll take a, a, a legacy approach to support for a second. And that's just the mindset that I, for me keeps me grounded and relevant and like, okay, why does this person care? Why does the chief of marketing care about this? I'm, I'm taking their time for about two minutes. Let's just keep it. So can I in two minutes articulate? Can I, I should, right. can I though? Right. Uh, this is the win or the opportunity that I want to share with you. Here's why it's important to you. And here's the takeaway I want you to have. Right. So um, if it's uh, giving, because I, I also like say no surprises, communication is about no surprises. So if mm-hmm. you're talking to the head of product or engineering uh, and giving them some feedback that that there's starting to be a little bit of noise about a potential product bug that might be a little bit more impactful that we didn't know about or that we did know about, but didn't think would be, you know, that's a surprise. So it's like, I'm going to give you a heads up, but here's what I'm doing about it. Here's either an action you need to do or don't need to do, just an FYI. And here's the next time I'm going to follow up with you about it, right? right? So I think that's the very first thing is why does this person need to know this? Why do they care? And just really keeping it that simple. Mm-hmm. And then then it's really about, you know, what do I want this person to this person or people to walk away with? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's as simple as, wow, that support team is really kicking ass over there, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's as simple as, uh, I'm setting the stage for maybe a f- possible promotion down the quarter, right? Sometimes it's as simple as saying, um, we're, we're seeing an opportunity for improvement in our onboarding program. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to, could have someone from my team partner with your team to go into some of the examples, you know, and be very clear. But also, and the other thing I'll say too, it's okay to be passionate, just not emotional. And that's something for earlier in my career, I was mm-hmm. emotional and I had a great leader. Um, skip post out there at Cisco. He's retired now. Um, veteran in the industry, gateway, whatnot. 
um, Gateway Computers, for those who don't know, there was a company called Gateway Computers out there. Um, he taught me about that because I was I was emotional person. I was like, no, they didn't understand. You know, ah, ah. and he, he would listen to me, right? Empathy. He would listen to me, and then he would say, well, let me help you with this. And he would be very candid because back in those I'm gonna say back in those days, but the way we worked, he could tell me very candid. No one's gonna listen to you. The minute you start yeah. saying that, six seconds in, they're already glazing over. And he would right. be very. And then he gave me those opportunities, and I appreciate that as I was a program manager at Cisco to present to come to present to leadership his bosses and sometimes give me controlled failures other times say no you did good there now just take away that word and this and you'd be fine so mm. passion is okay emotion is not because you lose them always be fact driven and i say this too one fact beats 20 opinions most mm. of the time i guess it depends whose opinions they are but most of the time that one fact <laughs> is all you need so be factual right. have your data know your numbers and then tie it to a relevant story to the person that you're communicating with. Mm. I love the way you said about, you know, passion is, is, is much better than being emotional because we tend to like, uh, I think emotional emotionality is kind of like a trap. Once you go there, you kind of think from your own perspective, you don't, you lose the empathy and you kind of lose touch with someone when you think one way. Right. So I, I love that framing. Uh, let's talk about content, Andrew. I think one of the one of the things you have over like eleven thousand followers on LinkedIn, and you've been a you know your activity is very constant. You write a lot. Uh, talk to me about how a CX leader should build an audience on LinkedIn, and what are the what are some things that really work for you, or what are any frameworks that you've used to build your audience? Oh man, I feel like I'm just starting. You know, I think um, ooh, uh, be your authentic self, right? And that took, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say these. I'm gonna preface this by saying, this it took me a long time to get to the point where I appreciate you mentioned seeing that I I, I try to post regularly and share, right? And mm-hmm. I, I try to share, try to <clears throat> build community, right, and connect with others, um, others in the community, right, and um. What I try to do is be my authentic self. And if someone's reading it who knows me, they might hear my voice and say, oh, I can see him smiling or I can hear, oh, I know. I know what he means by this. Where if someone else maybe doesn't know me, they're reading it going, there's a little personality here. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, that's what I say. Be your authentic self, you know, and just kind of. And I'll, I'll also say this, too. It took me a long time to get through it because I've never been I've never been a real social person. Um, mm-hmm. social media, that is in person. I'm gargantuan. I love to talk. I love people, but social media, like I don't have a Facebook, you know, I was an early MySpace user for like a year and that was it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have any, anything, no Twitter, no anything right. like that. So right. it took me a long time to get to the point where the last two, three, four years, I started getting more consistent and it really started candidly to answer, I think another, your question, another way, which I wanted to celebrate my teams. I wanted to celebrate the teams, their anniversaries. I wanted to celebrate their accomplishments. I wanted to celebrate, and we were remote. A lot of them were remote, right? So I said, oh, well, that's where LinkedIn comes into handy, right? I think mm-hmm. so that that was the trigger for me. It wasn't me. It was, I want to celebrate the teams, right? Um, even though I've had a LinkedIn for a long time and I like connecting with people, but that was the start of it. And then right. as I kind of progressed into my career, you know, um, I really wanted to share, you know, my experiences with people and, and especially those early CX leaders, you know, I mm-hmm. feel like 
I went to the school of hard knocks when it comes, because there's no degree for CX leaders and the community for CX is just getting started where other communities mm. like CS, very vibrant, very going. So it got me thinking that way. saying, so, you know what? Um, I learned, got some mentors early, but I know there's other people out there that need help with the QBR. Sure. They need help with the AOP. They want support reporting help. Um, so authentic self and, and don't do it for likes. I mean, you know, sometimes mm. I look at it and it's like one like, and I'm like, I, but someone, and I'll share this story too. And this was, kind of gratifying a little bit. It made me feel good was um, you know, I was at one of the support conferences recently and and someone, a couple of different people throughout the two days there were like, hey, oh man, yeah, I follow you on LinkedIn. I read all your stuff, man, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I've never seen, I've never seen the person like anything. So <laughs> people are reading that stuff and they're learning about it and they'll send you messages. Um and it's just my way of continuing my, you know, my survey leadership style, right? And I always like to I always say the reels pro tips, reels pro tips. Some of them are you know, silly. Some of them are are longer. Um, but what mm. I hope is that that there's someone out there that reads them, that it that mm. that it helps them, that it sparks maybe something. Or a recent compliment I got, which I'm really honored by, was that um, that it motivated them, right, to mm. see themselves even differently and gave them like, I can do. Yeah, I'm I am more than I think I am, right? Mm. Like my my confidence has and that was the quote. My confidence has grown tenfold. And I'm like, awesome. Like, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so. In this day and age we be, where we live in, the best way to pay it forward is really documenting what you go through, the lessons you're learning, or the, ex the experience you have, and kind of translate that experience into whatever medium it can be written, audio, video, whatever it is. I think that's the best way to pay it forward because I think for people like you, I believe everybody should document on the internet, right? They should just share their lifestyle, you know, the thinking, the process, the lows, uh, the ups and everything. But I feel veterans like you should do it. Uh, it's non-negotiable in my opinion, because you have so much to offer. You know, you have so much wisdom and wealth in your mind to like share it with others, right? So that's why I believe that. Uh, so one of the things, you know, that, candidly came to my mind you're a you're a pro kind of like a you know like i said like veteran this is like kind of like a question uh, on which works on both ways so like what is for someone like you what is a, what is a constant lesson you're learning from rookies who are just entering into cx uh, industry number one and vice versa you know what are some lessons rookies should learn from people like you it's a fabulous question. Um, it's easy to answer the second one first. I want to give a, a thoughtful second to the first part of the question. That's a great one. Because the first thing that comes to my mind when I'm to the rookies is, uh, and I use this phrase a lot when I'm, when I'm working with people, partnering with people, leaders, is uh, it's the coaches who change, not the players. Right? Players are, are the same. Right. They're the same. They're, they're just generations are different. But a player is a player. A rookie is a rookie. Um, so a coach has to adapt. So what I find that is when I'm um, listening to the rookies, the different motivations. Right. Great example. Now, the motivation for me when I was a rookie was I want a director title. I want to work at Cisco. Right. Um, I want a house. Right. I want to own my own house. Things like that. 
the motivation when I talk to these great rookies now is I want to have a great life, right? So I'm learning from them, like, oh, that's great. That's helping me continue on with that, right? Mm. Um, I think the, I like the, the reverse, though, and this is the one I always say, uh, two things, two things. If it's not documented, it never happened. Mm-hmm. Remember that, leader. Internally, externally, just remember that, right? And we, we dive into that one, right? Because that's a concept. That's a prince. I call that's one of my three core principles, right? As a team, um, support team. The second one is, um, and this is about mindset, thinking, problem solving, everything, and even kind of in personal life. Uh, what are the facts? What do they mean? What are we going to do about it? And that goes back to your question about how do you, when you're communicating with someone, those are the three things you want to have buttoned up, right? And if you don't, then share that you don't, but this is where you're going. But that also helps you with, um, and, and I was a victim of this earlier in my career, right? Jumping the gun uh, on a potential fire that wasn't a fire, not having enough facts to understand. Uh, one mm-hmm. example at Cisco, I did a lot I, not uh, early uh, and then I learned was going to engineering that we had a bug because the team on, person on my team told me we had a bug, but I didn't mm-hmm. have a bug. Re- I didn't have a bug report. Was it complete? <laughs> we didn't. We didn't duplicate it. We just thought it right. So you start to learn those very through a simple way. So those are the two things I always share with leaders right away. What mm-hmm. is your process and your troubleshooting? You're talking to your team members and coaching them too. That's not just mm-hmm. this way. It's to your team. What are the facts? What do they mean? What are we going to do about it? Right. Mm. And then if it's not documented, it never happened. The reason I like that is it comes back to trouble ticket documentation. Mm. Right. And then I have a theory there too. They don't have to be paragraphs and essays. It's just mm. what are the facts? <laughs> what do they mean? What are we going to do about it? I try to keep as complex and emotional as hard as CX leadership could be. Mm. What I try to do is paint the picture and vision that it's, it's actually a little simpler than we think because we're in the business of all truth. We don't have right. to think about potential this, potential that. We're in the truth business. So that mm. actually gives our job a little bit more easy because we're not in marketing or sales or product development. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking about product development, I think one of the things, so just before going to that question, uh, 100%, I feel everybody has a learning curve. Everybody should have a, you know, a, a space to, you know, fill up the tank, right? It, it, it's always not empty. So I think having that learning first mindset really helps whether you're a rookie or even a pro doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, going to the product management, you have a ton of experience uh, talking to your product teams and really helping them getting the feedback from customers, you know, reaching them and translating that feedback. In your opinion, how do, what is the best possible way to bridge uh between these two teams and how can you bring these two teams closer cx customer support and uh the product teams uh understanding each other uh understand this is actually literally a conversation i had earlier this week understanding each other's uh limitations okay and the example i give i'm gonna go deep dive to come back up from the example if uh, we know that we don't have enough memory in the specific product to add more features without taking something else away or adding development time or not hitting a roadmap item that's tied to a big marketing campaign, that's probably not. And, and we don't have data to say why 
we want to prioritize that, then that's probably not something that you're going to want to go to your market, your product team, because um, you understand. Unless we have the rest, like, what are the facts? What do they mean? What are we going to do about it? So you kind of go through that. Um, spinning it around, and the, the, bet, the thing I always recommend is bring your product team into your support team. Bring them along for a ride-along. Let them hear a call. Let them see a call. Let them, even for an hour, allow them to. But be strategic right. with it. Try to get them a call that's going to show them what you want to right. show them. Right? Collaborate. Mm-hmm. Right? Ask them how they want their feedback. I feel like that's the, one of the first things I do when I come into an organization or help a leader is say, ask the product team how they want their feedback. How do they mm-hmm. want it? When do they want it? Start from there. Right? And then, because mm-hmm. you know, I always say, we know we're going to give them feedback. Once we build our process, we get the Jerry integration, we get our report going. That's just going to be part of who we are as a team. But empower them and ask them how. And then talk about the customer, right? Talk about the customer together, right? And then also, but I always say this is um, put chips in the bank. Pay attention mm-hmm. to their roadmap. Really pay attention. Know that you're here to serve them. Right. I always mm-hmm. tell people that like the analogy I use is and with leaders. I tell them we want to make sure that the sales team loves our support team. They love us, mm-hmm. but we want the product team to need us. And, and and we have to sometimes show them what that means by letting them show us what that means. I know that sounds weird, but you mm-hmm. kind of back into it by letting them tell you. Right. Mm-hmm. And say, oh, yeah, I can start, you know, because more data, more information is better than none. And if you do, I found that if you try to wedge it the other way, then it's a little bit tougher. You're uphill, right? Right. No, I th- I think uh, it's very interesting what you said. Talk to your product teams and really understand how they get how they want to consume feedback. I feel if you start from there, uh, you basically are going to adapt to that format template or whatever they give to you, and you basically kind of you know become the translator. Uh, you know, customer giving a feedback and, you know, getting that feedback to product team. Uh, yeah, before we wrap up, I have like one more question about consulting. Uh, you've been a consultant for a while now. A couple of questions there. One is, what's the most, if you want to share details or if you don't want to share, that's fine too. But uh, would love to know what is like the difficult or the most challenging client you got when you do consulting? That's one. Number two is if people who are listening also want to be consultant in, in the CX industry, customer support industry, uh, do you have any tips for them? How do they start you know, building their own company even like, you know, or even consulting business? Yeah. Yeah. Um, difficult. Or difficult or like quite challenging. You're like, yeah, yeah, this is quite challenging. The problem they came to, uh, to me, it's like, it's not, old it's completely new it's actually giving me uh you know more vibes to be push myself to to the next level yeah i'll i'll share, I'll share this one because this is a a, a, cha- a, a a common one but a challenging one right um that happened recently was um the the goal there was a goal you know i was working with uh, two specific support leaders at a at a at a health company and um, the goal was to improve a specific set of metrics on the mm-hmm. support side, kind of with the partner, right? Mm-hmm. That was the goal. Hey, we want to do this, and this is kind of where we want to go. Was, okay, cool. Um, however, 
as you peel back the onion and you work through the hundred day plan, right? You hit week <laughs> five. Like I kind of kind of coming back to that. It was kind of determined and uncovered that in order to reach that and uh, achieve that goal, another project would need to take place that involved processes, tools, and stakeholders. That mm-hmm. then meant that goal gets pushed out, right? Because dates are dates, numbers are numbers because we're coming into the holiday season. There's a lot of factors that come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then presenting that story, help supporting those leaders and presenting that story to senior leadership because senior leadership doesn't want to hear about day slippings and this, but presenting it in the way of the, what are the facts? What do they mean? What are we going to do about it? The, what do they mean part was the, the, the difficult part as we worked through it, because again, positioning it in a way that is uh, fact driven business impact, customer impact, not mm. about people, like mm. not about people, just about what we're trying to achieve. And then coaching the leaders to say, and if this goes right, then they're going to ask you about the people that you'll be ready for that. Right. I go, so kind of, you know, and I think those are, you know, difficult because it, it imagines you to slow down in order to speed back yeah. up again. And right. sometimes leaders haven't gone through that before because mm. the support, we're so used to going, 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 taking the next one, taking the next one. Oh, that fell off. Oh, we'll pick it up later. And it's like, no, we, <laughs> we, we, we can't do that anymore. Right. right. So right. Um, luckily that is, uh, that ended great because the, the work, and I always say, plan your work, work your plan, right? Mm-hmm. If you're, sometimes if you're going into a, a five minute presentation, you, you probably spent 50 hours preparing for that five minutes. Yeah. And that's what this was. It was people learning. And I think that's the biggest learning of that when I worked with that team, which was, mm-hmm. this is, it takes time. Again, that's why I like to start with these phrases. I always said the word silly, but they're not. They're just simple of what are the facts? What do they mean? What are we going to do about it? And what are mm. the facts? Is it, what do you think? Right. That's, mm. that's part of it, right? We could talk, but it's not, it's, what are yeah. the facts, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I love that. I think, yeah. Preparation. Preparation is preparation breeds confidence and, you know, it, it, from there you can take it on. Uh, yeah. What, any tips for uh, people who are, who wants to become consultants in, in this, in this space, where do you, where do they start in your, in your experience? You want to share something? Yeah, yeah, no, you know, and, and and I was thinking about that actually recently, kind of as I go into a 25th year celebration. Uh, well, 25 years of experience, I'm going to use that to celebrate the business, you know, wheels management. Um, hmm. And this is what I found in the last few years: Just follow your passion, hmm. right? Don't don't think about the dollar amount. Don't think about what you're going to charge. Don't think about think about the value that that you're passionate about that you can bring. So it's both ways, but really that way, right? What are you, as CX leaders, we're passionate about CX, but there's certain parts of it that we're really passionate about that get us going, right? For me, it's career development and people growth. I get excited Mm. when I see people's light bulbs going and people going through and moving their way through careers. You know, I love that, you know? Um, For me, it's a a strong support report. I love support Mm. reports, right? I think that's that's what we have as support leaders. Mm. And then finding that passion and then the value and then you notice I didn't talk about the need or what not like that just yet. What what value can you bring in and what excites you and what will get you and what do you think other people can relate to and be excited about as well? Because there's so mm-hmm. much in the CX support world that that 
that that we need help with, partnership with, collaboration with. And um, uh, I, I was a big beta uh, early in my career at Fitbit. I built a world-class field testing team, beta team. Shout out to everybody from there. Um, don't be afraid to beta test things. And, uh, and I'll say it this way, but help others uh, with the intention of helping them, but also doing market research yourself. Give your time away for free right? Practice, right? It's like an interview. It's like anything else. You need practice. So the first time you do charge someone and someone accepts you for your, you know, let's call it $5 an hour that you you know, oh, I've, I've done this before. I've talked to these job seekers. I know I got my framework. I got my, and start small, right? I think it's easy to look at LinkedIn yeah. and see a lot of people with lots of offerings and cohorts and this, you know, they took a long time to build there and get there, yeah. you know? So yeah. that's, that's it. I mean, that's to start. <laughs> That's awesome. Andrew, this, you know, uh, it's been a great, you know, great conversation. I love talking to you. Some of the points, you know, documentation, that's important. Uh, some of the smallest things like naming your documentation, it's such a, such a low hanging fruit. And, you know, I like how you think and you pay attention to these subtle details, which are, which play, you know, which play a big role in the long run. Uh, it's been great great talking to you i hope like listeners you've consumed you know learned something and kind of implement in your life uh, but any closing thoughts before we wrap up you know yeah i'll say this um uh the, the time is now for cx leaders right i think that there's a lot of great support tools being built for for the cx teams out there with the intention of the customer and the agent and the support team and Companies more than ever, I know we, I'm going to stay away from the layoffs and things like that, reductions in forces, but companies more than ever are relying on their CX leaders to mm -hmm. take more initiative, to own more of their seat at the table, to bring that data, to bring those insights. So, you know, that's kind of my, my, my paving thoughts. And if you're starting the AI journey, don't forget to crawl, walk, run and <laughs> uh, start that AI journey internally first and mm -hmm. then start it with the customers. So that's kind of how I button it up. Awesome. Andrew, thank you so much. I appreciate you for taking time and, you know, talk to us today. Folks, that's a wrap. Uh, this is Andrew. This is me, Sharad, your host. We have awesome, awesome guests lined up, for, you know, on the podcast. I'm excited to like talk about in the next few weeks. Stay tuned and do your thing. Cheers. Thank you. Be well. Do good.